Hello forever family. My name is Shannon. I'm the recovery pastor. And in this video, which will lead into the other videos in this series, um, this series is called the seven stages of loving someone in addiction. So we did an intro video. Um, there was a request of someone who is loving someone else in addiction. And they said, Hey, can we talk about the subject? Can we, can we talk about how hard it is to, to love someone in addiction? So I posted a comment on Facebook and I took all of your responses. There were about 60 to 70 different responses. And then I divided them into seven stages of loving someone in addiction. So I want to say that up front because this is not a clinical study. It's not anything that's huge or this, this great amount of people came together to write. I just took your responses and I broke them down into what feels like for me reading those responses is the seven stages of loving someone in addiction. So in this video, we're going to look at stage one. Stage one is called shell shock. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the stages real quick as we get into this. So stage one, shell shock is what I'm calling it. This is where you're finding out about the addiction. Basically, everything's coming to surface. Um, and then stage two is what I am calling clinging to hope. Uh, this is where you try to help, but more times we end up just kind of covering up for the one that, that is in addiction um, because we kind of hope and pray that it will just go away overnight. Um, stage three is what I have called enabling and rage. And, and the reason I, <clears throat> I put enabling and rage together is because I believe at this point is where it actually starts breaking down the family the family bond, the family dynamics, not just between the loved one and the one in addiction, but the actual family itself, because we end up with one person that's trying to enable and uh, falls into codependency. And then we end up with someone else who's trying to do tough love. And before you know it, those two worlds collide. And then um, stage four is, uh, gosh, reading these responses, the only thing I could come up with is, numb but yet still fearful and uh, this is a feeling that it's, it's just a never-ending dream stage five is the reality of the battle you've just come to terms with it you know there's treatment options um, but you still fear that death is right around the corner stage six is when you decide I'm getting off this crazy train I need self-care also I've got to give this to God and then stage seven is success and testimonies. This is where we learn how to live out our life in recovery and have healthy boundaries. So again, in this video, this is stage one, which is called the shell shock, okay? So this is when you find out your loved one is in addiction and all of a sudden you become consumed by emotions, by questions, especially for someone who has never experienced being around someone in active addiction. So there's so many questions that we use to pass judgment really upon ourselves as the loved one of the one in addiction. So some of these questions that are actually straight from your responses, what did I do wrong? How did I not protect them? 
was I so overprotective that I didn't teach them about the dangers? How did I miss the warning signs? And I will tell you, just like I've told many people at many different times, the woulda, coulda, shoulda will destroy you. Because you spend your time spinning your wheels in the past, trying to see the potholes along life's journey of life's highway, um, and you're not paying attention to your own road, and you'll end up going off the cliff. So some of these emotions that engulf us, and again, this is straight from your responses. Some of those emotions are first, just feeling lost. You know, where do I turn? How do I stop this? The next one is guilt. I failed as a parent. How do I fix this for them? The next one is shame. What will everyone think of me for allowing this to happen to my child or to my loved one? You know, people get consumed with the thought of, but we're good people. We shouldn't have to be going through this. This, this doesn't happen to good people, or this doesn't happen to people that work every day, or this doesn't happen to, you can remove that. Okay, because addiction does not discriminate. It is not a racist. It doesn't draw a line anywhere. Addiction, just like the world, welcomes anyone and everyone with open arms. And it has an unlimited supply of pain and hurt to give out to anyone who is seeking it. Now, granted, the, the one, the loved one that is in addiction is not seeking pain. But that's what they find. They find emptiness and they find pain. So the next emotion is rage. How did I let this into my family? Again, this wasn't supposed to happen to us. So you go from the shame to the rage and the anger. And the next emotion is just being so overwhelmed. When you, when you begin to see the actions of the addict, okay, and I don't like to use the word the addict because I don't like the label. But the actions of the addiction, knowing that you didn't raise them like that, knowing that you weren't raised like that, knowing that your family dynamics, your morals that your family was raised upon doesn't allow that, it's very hard to admit that addiction makes good people do bad things. Because really in the end, that is what, what it's all about. Addiction makes good people do bad things. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to someone and they say, you know, looking back, I would have never done the things that I did when I found myself in active addiction. If you'd have asked me, I told you I would have never done those things, but I did them. And, and that is part of the guilt and the shame that the enemy likes to keep us in bondage to. Oh yeah. Well, if that person knows what you did, they wouldn't love you. Or if this person did, we have to remove those. We have to see it for what it is, and we have to work through the process and get to the other side because there is light at the end of the tunnel. So we spend so much time um, looking at all the things that we, we might have missed in the past while our emotions are literally at war internally. We self-criticize every single decision and choice we've ever made. We overanalyze every step made as a parent or as a loved one. We can become so insecure 
about how we handle the future since we did not protect our child or, or our loved one in the past from falling into addiction. You know, we even, we even will get to the point where as a, if you're talking about a child who has a parent in active addiction, that child may even uh, be consumed with the question of, you didn't even love me enough to stay with me. You chose the addiction. So let's, let's continue to flip that. Let's look at it if the child is the one who has the parent in active addiction. Your whole world gets flipped upside down. Everything you've ever known to be true is now questioned. Our normal scale is rocked and shattered. So let me explain what I mean by normal scale. Growing up, you have a predominant male and a predominant female in your life and how they handle life, how they cope with life and how they teach you to handle life and cope with life becomes your normal skill or your normal scale. And as you make future decisions, they're all based on the foundation of that normal scale. So when you later become a teenager or an adult, and you realize maybe you had a parent in active addiction or something wasn't as you thought it was, it can rock you to your core. It can shatter our normal scale. And we don't know how to make decisions going forward. We have to really second guess ourselves because we want to make the right decision. But again, that normal scale is, we can't rely on it anymore because the people that formed that normal scale for us they're not who we see the same now. We, we see them differently now. But remember, every word that has ever been spoken to a child could possibly, in their mind now, become a lie. You begin to question every single value in their eyes because, again, they chose the drug over you, or maybe that's how you feel, is that they chose the drug over you. Your trust is gone. You want to love them, but you get to a point where you don't know how. So regardless, if you're the child of uh, someone in active addiction, or you're the parent of someone in active addiction, or you are just simply a loved one of someone in active addiction that doesn't fit those two roles, this stage alone sets the foundation for a hurt that can haunt you for decades. If you don't get help for you, this wound that is starting, it can haunt you for decades. If you're watching this um, and you're in active addiction or you are the loved one of someone in active addiction, Either way, I would encourage both of you to um, seek help, someone to talk to about your perspective of the addiction. This stage that I've dubbed shell shock, it, um, it's scary. It rocks your world. It throws everything you knew out the, out the door. It, threw, it throws all of the things that you thought were future plans. Um, it makes them so out of touch, like they'll never ever be achieved. And it's a scary place to be. 
But I promise you, if you are in active addiction or you are a loved one of someone in active addiction, the very first choice that makes a difference is deciding to get help. Um, I will have my email in the description of this video. We will have more videos. This is just stage one. We've got to go all the way through stage seven. And again, these are based on your replies. So if you're in shell shock or you're still, um, if you're still stuck with those emotions that come up in shell shock, I encourage you to please reach out and talk to someone and don't let those wounds um, take hold. Don't let those wounds become something that you use to lash out at others. And later on in the, in the video series, I'll explain what that means. But I do encourage you to step out of the comfort zone of, okay, I'm in shell shock. Because believe it or not, you can get into a comfort zone there. You can stay in your own little bubble because as scary as it is to be in shell shock, it's even more scary to, to look at change. Don't let the enemy hold you in bondage. I want to encourage you to seek help. If you need somebody to talk to, reach out to me. I know plenty of people I would love to connect you up with that um, are very professional and they want to see you succeed. So I always end every video, um, you know, with, with the simple speak life, be a blessing and put your faith feet into action. Um, but I want to end this one a little bit different. I want you to know that for every person that is seeing this, I see the view numbers and I pray for each individual person. I don't know who you are, but God does. God knows what you're doing, what you're going through in your situation. I don't have to know. That's none of my business. That's between you and God. But I would encourage every person that's watching this to also join me in prayer. Pray for those that are watching this and that need resources and don't know where to go. Maybe they're in the shell shock um, stage right now. Maybe they're in a different stage, but I want to ask you to join me in prayer with these videos so that they reach the people that they need to reach and that those people realize they can reach out for help. There are people, there are resources, so don't feel like you're stuck. So if you haven't watched the intro, please go back and watch the intro. This is part one or stage one called Shell Shock. We'll go through stage seven. There'll be one every single day of the week posted. So until the next one is posted, I look forward to your comments and your replies. You're welcome to inbox me if you have any questions. So until next time, much agape, everybody.